three weeks. That is all we have until the Patriots are finally going to play for keeps, for real football. The games matter. Until then, we have more, not fake, watered-down football. Uh, recording here on a Saturday morning, Patriots last night win big, huge, double up the JV Panthers 20-10 to 10 at Gillette. And it wasn't so much the final score that we took away from that. Of course, it was Mac Jones in the offense, played three drives out there. And I got to tell you, watching that was a huge relief for me, not because of any sort of stress of the day-to-day in covering the offense. And we know it's all been largely so-so to poor news, but just that the three drives that they put together, the best way to describe them was exactly like we've seen in practice. So you don't need to rely on me or anybody else who's been bringing you this bad news, again, which has gotten better as of late, because that's what happens in training camp, the football, the teams, the players, the units get better. But the Patriots with Mac Jones go three and out, three and out again, and then have a wonderful 10-play, 81-yard touchdown drive highlighted by Mac's 45-yard pass to Nelson Aguilar. So some bad, but they end in a high note, and that's exactly what we've seen. It's been a mix, and that's the preseason. So the biggest takeaway really from Friday night is it's just been a continuation. This is where the offense is. It's a, it's a work in progress. Everyone else can see it. You don't need to take my word for it, podcast written form, whatever. This is how it is. Otherwise, not a whole lot to take away. The Panthers did not play any starters. They have one of the worst offensive lines in the league when healthy. And so as much as it would be great to expound upon the pass rush and the depth and all the pieces and Anthony Jennings and Demarcus Mitchell and Sam Roberts, et cetera, et cetera, like you, we just have to keep it in context. So today we're going to skew all of that. If you want some film notes, I have a full write-up in the bostonherald.com breaking down every single snap, what I saw, offense, defense, special teams. It's all up there. But if you really want to know the most important part of this week, we covered that in the last episode, all of the joint practice notes and what happened there. Looking ahead, we have 10 days until cutdown day, which, which, which somehow feels like it snuck up on us as much as we are like, 20 days, then 19 days, and 18 days until the Bills and Rams are going to open on Thursday Night Football. And as you'll hear me say, a lot can happen in 10 days. And a lot already did happen. As I recorded with Fitzy, who you can hear on WEI, I read him on WEI.com. And he's actually like the MC of these preseason games because he's at the stadium doing fan contests and all around great, funny guy, also knows his beer. Um, but we finished recording our dueling roster projections, which are the meat of this episode. And then news breaks that Taekwon Thornton is going to be out for a significant time. So I make a couple calls, send some texts, and confirm everything that you heard initially. He's going to be out a while. And that doesn't change what we say on this podcast, because what will happen is Taekwon Thornton, unless things really go south in the next couple of days, he will make the roster. Then the Patriots will put him on IR, because the injured reserve rules are such that if you go on, before the season starts, you're pretty much done for the year. This is what happened with Malcolm Butler, Jawan Williams last week. So he'll make the team. Nikhil Harry did this last year. He gets hurt against the Eagles in a preseason game. IR comes back in time for week five. So that's what I would expect here with Tyquan Thornton. Now, week five, probably not. Because the texts that I got were, quote, not a while. And it's not going to be soon. Um, so he's out for a while. It's not going to be soon. And the thing is, though, the last text I got said he will be back. So this is not season ending, but it is a serious collarbone injury that is going to keep the Patriots rookie receiver, the fastest guy on the team and one of the fastest in the league now running a 4-2-8 out. So this receiving core is back to the vets. It's back to 
Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne, who was absent on Friday night when we get into that. So Tyquan Thornton injury does not change our whole conversation. It does affect maybe the odds of someone like little Jordan Humphrey, who, spoiler alert, um, I have on the outside looking in, but maybe his odds get a little bit better as we close in on two more joint practices in a preseason game with Vegas. So Fitzy has his roster projection. I have mine. I thought this episode was a ton of fun. If you do, if you don't, give us a shout on Twitter or ratings on Apple and Spotify. We really appreciate and want any sort of feedback as we keep things rolling. I will be in Vegas next week for both the joint practices. I'm going to come home before the preseason game. We'll get full updates there. Um, I have Zach Cox from Nesson and Jim McBride of the Globe on, uh, where we will go back to the format here where we have a beer, talk some pads. So until then, Fitzy, beer expert, part-time comedian, full-time Patriots fan, and all-around awesome guy coming up with his rapid projection and one from your boy now. Fitzy is back. Dueling roster projections, much like dueling piano bars, I imagine, what this podcast is going to be, but better and for football. What do you think? Just so long as it's not dueling uh, banjos or nor do you tell me that I got a real pretty mouth, I am ready to go, buddy. <laughs> well, thankfully, this is water. We do not have beers here today. We will have to do beer sometime as people who were recently bestowed with Cisco beer, courtesy of the Patriots, which uh, that was the easiest, cheapest pub Friday night in the press box where they dropped four packs of some game day IPA, I think they call it, in front of all the reporters. Because right. we're all scrubs. Of course, we're going to tweet about it. We want to show that we got free beer, and they do it. I've not had one yet. So really quickly, you had one, review was? Yeah, and an absolutely brilliant maneuver by Cisco and the Patriots, uh, you know, HT to the PR staff as well. It's called for uh, Forever New England, Forever, Forever New England, just like the same thing that they've been going, or Fox Pro Forever. Mm -hmm. um, it's got the Pat the Patriot logo. They license it through the team. Beautiful can art, 5.4% uh, game day IPA. What you're drinking is a refreshing, hopped up, crispy, citrusy pale ale, if you will. I was going to wait until after my radio sh show today on WEI to have one. But, you know, it was 1.30 last night. I was up. I had one. And it was a nice way to wind down pretend season game two of the 2022 Patriots season. Great stuff. Great job by Cisco and the Pats last night. Who did, by the way, I mean, my God, dude, I've spent half my life from when I was a production assistant on TV, video, and movie sets all the way up to now being a sort of member of the Boston sports media. I don't turn down any free sandwich, slice of pizza, bagel, let alone a four pack of oh, a no. coveted IPA in New England. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we know Cisco's doing okay because, A, they have a partnership with the Patriots. Um, but as, as people could probably tell, we're recording here on a Saturday afternoon. Right. And I love the, the review from you, established beer guy, mm -hmm. as I'm trying to ascend to your level. But the start of that, when you go with the can, and I don't know if you were just trying to help people identify what it looks like in the store, sounded like the beer version of she's got a great personality because it took <laughs> a minute to get to the taste of the beer and, and you got there and it's solid. Right. It's refreshing. And I'm not expecting like, you know, Treehouse 2.0 or Trillium or vitamin C dropped in this, you know, press box, but um, just uh, you had me laughing on the inside there. And the competition to like stand out on the shelves and in the refrigerators from all the packies, the breweries and craft beer sellers across new England, like, what jumps out yeah. more than the iconic Pat the Patriot logo? So no matter how much Cisco had to drop, and maybe it's because Belichick is so fond of Nantucket that they were able to put that partnership together, but like it pops and the beer is also pretty damn good too. Yeah, the other big winner there, uh, and we're going to get to the roster projection here in a second, is um, Matt Groh, director of player personnel. I profiled him back in the spring. One of the things I picked up, that dude packs his fridge with Cisco 
all the time. So he was not in the press box, but I'm sure he's got plenty of this. Uh, what was it? Forever New England? Yes. For, uh, forever, forever, forever New England game day IPA. Uh, I, I just want to say in case any of your friends in the media happen to check out this podcast as well, that definitely was not me and Andy Hart waiting until all of the media left in the press <laughs> box to see if there are any leftover four packs that we could snag for the re- remainder of the night. Several were missing from the time we all went down <laughs> to talk to Belichick and go in the locker room to the time that we came back up. So uh, yeah, we'll just have to keep an eye out for whomever did that. Matt Groh, dude, I love that guy from when I had a chance to talk to him in 2021 when he did the season ticket member post-draft evaluation and gave me the breakdowns on everyone they drafted, who they loved and how they fit in. That's where my Josh Bledsoe crush developed. Joshua Bledsoe yeah. crush developed because he went deep on what a gamer and what a competitor that he was. Uh, and now that I know that he keeps his fridge stocked with uh, quality local crafties, I'm in. Yeah. All right. Well, macro is going to be busy. Next week, Cutdown Day is coming August 30th. That's going to be a rare Tuesday for Cutdown Day, mm. which honestly, fine by me, because that's normally hunker down first week in a college football, and I'm torn between wanting to watch college football and doing my actual job. But Tuesday, not a problem. 53 players have to be down at 4 p.m. You have your roster projection. I have mine. I got to 57 with a few hard decisions, and then I mm-hmm. had four more. I'm talking about second-year players who had really strong training camps or continue to. A recent third-round pick, um, undrafted rookies and rookie draft picks that have become popular picks to make this roster. Quarterback, I think we can get into really quickly, but anything that stood out to you like it did for me in terms of I had four decisions and I didn't want to make any of them. Yeah, the my biggest issue continues to be a lack of depth on the offensive line as we see the Patriots suffer some early to mid-camp injuries and not be able to build the kind of depth that they need, both at guard and especially at tackle. Now, when I project these 53 right now, Andrew, I can't tell you who the Patriots might be able to find off the scrap heap who Belichick has always had an eye on or he's told Matt Grow, you know, like, hey, just in case this guy gets let go, grab this guy, grab that guy. I need a little bit more over there. But like, there's going to be some, there are going to be some difficult decisions that are going to get made in terms of, but we spent the equity on this guy. Shouldn't we give him one more kick at the can? Sorry, it hasn't clicked for them yet. There's just no time. Like, the big dogs either have to run with the rest of the pack or get on the or get on the porch. And it, you know, if there's some if there's some early crushes people have developed on some camp bloomers and some preseason stars, you're just going to have to deal with the gritty reality of the NFL or understand that it's now a double sized practice squad with 16 people in the age of uh, post mid or wherever we are in COVID. Right. And it's important to remember, too. You know, I promise eventually we're going to get to some names here. But like the the roster that emerges at 4.01 p.m. on Tuesday is not going to be your week one roster. Like they're going to play some guys on IR. They're going to release some other players. They're going to claim some off of waivers. Like there's going to be a lot of um, maneuvering in the next 11 days before they get ready for Miami. So our job, though, is not to project what it's going to be like in Miami because we don't know who other teams are going to release or might trade because Yassir Durant comes over last year in offensive lineman. You talk about depth. They rostered nine and still had mm-hmm. him. So a mm-hmm. lot of shuffling going on. All right. The quarterback, though, I think this is a simple conversation. Not like last year, Cam versus Mac, Mac versus Cam. I have Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, Bailey Zappi all in the roster. What do you got? Wash, rinse, repeat. Max, your, Max, your starter. Uh, upstart gunslinger, private first class Bailey Zappi has been a fan favorite in both preseason games to date. Everybody loves the upside of this kid. He's got all those throwback words, gumption, moxie, 
chutzpah, all the things that you want out of a developmental backup quarterback project. And if ever there's been a year where I don't want to see Brian Hoyer, except on the sidelines, you know, in his breaking case of emergency glass, or, you know, maybe on the street or at the grocery store, like, Hey, it's Brian Hoyer, everybody. What's up, buddy. Uh, you need him because I, I need him as the sort of like de facto assistance quarterback coach. I need him and Max ear as much as I need anybody else in the age of new England Patriots post McDaniels. So Jones backup Hoyer project zappy. Let's go. Brian Hoyer, top three guy that would go unrecognized at the grocery store on this roster. Not like you're super tall or big or fit. He dates regular Joe. He yeah. might be number one. Oh, could easily be. He can blend into any crowd whatsoever. For yeah. all I know, that's his, that's his role. Or maybe he's got a previous history when he was at Sparty uh, in terms of like, you know, covert ops or, you know, just being an international man of mystery. I was talking with some buddies last night at the game. And he, one of my friends from high school was like, what a great life Brian Hoyer has. The man is going to accumulate to have started about 25, 30 games in the NFL, like $30 million. Like what? A, like he is set for life. He's going to live in New England. He'll probably be on the coaching staff. The Brian Hoyer Quarterback Academy will open up and either like Rentham or Mansfield or something or Franklin. Like he is living the life of what a a good backup NFL player is all about. He's moved a lot. I think more than any of us would want seven or eight teams or something now. But right. he's at a point where he's even said publicly, and this is more Brian Hoyer time than I ever expected to give this podcast. But he. uh Boy, the destroyer kid. He wants to set roots, and the Patriots know that, which is why in a lot of past years, and people at home might be listening, going, well, why don't they just cut him, save a roster spot, bring him back to the practice squad? If they cut him based on the contract he signed in the offseason, they would take $3 million in dead cap. So this is not an instance where there's no penalty for doing that. He got a lot of guaranteed money. It's still a small deal, but it was a two-year contract where it basically locked him in for this season. We'll see about next, of course, tied to Bailey Zappi. But for now, I think those three are very firm. The running backs room uh, has a couple more questions. And I think they're, of course, not at the top. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Ty Montgomery, all three are locked in for you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And since the last time we spoke in the unfortunate but necessary retirement of James White, Mm. who we had talked about on our podcast, Six Rings, uh, likely getting a PUP, if not sort of like going on season ending IR and he decides to, you know, pull up stakes and call it a career after only eight years because of that awful subluxation of the hip last year against new Orleans that opened up the role of third down back. And I think we saw last night, like the spark on that drive where Mac dropped the dime to Aguilar was Ty Montgomery dropping out to the flat on third down and having a nice little seven yarder, which we hadn't seen anybody do really because Brandon Bolden was either a big gainer or like a frustrating third and two into the line last year. I saw a little more professional third down versatility from Ty Montgomery. He was my pick all along. I think he's going to be an integral component to the offense this year. Yeah, it's really interesting with Montgomery because in practice, what we've seen as far as James White's old snaps, they've largely yep. gone to Ramondre Stevenson and that he's the first guy up in those team periods when they're clearly passing or he's second after Damian Harris. But when they go to two minute and did against Carolina this week on Tuesday and Wednesday, Montgomery was the guy that was in there. And my thinking was you have him in the two minute because it offers you this kind of flexibility where they split out their running backs and they'll go out to the perimeter and they'll run a hitch or they'll run a hitch and go or a slam mm-hmm. or an in cut or whatever it is. But that's a guy who can run a full route trip. So you might be playing, you know, with 11 personnel, but then 11 personnel suddenly goes to the rare zero one personnel, one personnel where there are no yep. running backs if he's a receiver. So I don't know exactly how that's going to shake out because Stevenson is just so much more explosive. 
Oh, sure. The running back, but the jobs in the two minute are coming down to blitz pickup. And then what you can do as a receiver. And obviously Ty Montgomery, at least from the receiver standpoint is, is a clear winner there, but I, I'm not, I, I'm still the self-proclaimed conductor of this season soon hype train and i'm going to keep yes. that position because we're still rolling out don't drop it own that take because when it happens you'll be able to go back you've got the receipts and you'll pop your collar and you'll flex all over boston and if not you know it's still going to come maybe it's just going to be a year later like i was promised Aguilar and john o smith season were last year and they might actually be coming up this year or so we hope yeah um speaking of coming up rookies pierre strong fourth round pick kevin harris sixth round guy and jj taylor these are the last ones here the only one i kept was pierre strong and that's he's a fourth round pick J.J. Taylor, Kevin Harris, I think one of them is going to stick on the practice squad. Taylor right now, you know, when you get to the fourth or fifth running back, a la Brandon Bolden, your impact has to be on special teams in some way. Taylor's not among your top two kick returners or punt returners right now. So his value there, he's not covering kicks. He's certainly not tackling, goes down. And the Patriots frequently rostered, even after James White went down, just three running backs on game day. So I look at this and go, you'll have four on the roster. Even if one gets hit, hurt, you bring up one from the practice squad and it could be JJ Taylor or Kevin Harris at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them get kept on the practice squad because JJ Taylor can catch passes, can be a shifty little Dion Lewis wannabe, maybe could return kicks for you, depending on how the return game is going and who ultimately wins punt returner, kick returner. Uh, they've been auditioning a bunch of people, Miles Bryant, Marcus Jones, uh, Pierre Strong even got some looks uh, in the game against Caroline as well. I had the same running back room. I think what you're going to see Friday against the Raiders is Kevin Harris is going to play. And then maybe at one point in the third quarter, he's going to go, oh, my hamstring. Oh, it's a little tight. Oh, coach, I think I need to come out. And next thing you know, it's going to be, oh, he gets sent to IR. They stash him. Everyone else forgets about him. He comes back. They put him on the practice squad. And they basically keep this Damian Harris clone that they drafted uh, you know, in the, in the factory or in the laboratory for another year until they decide whether they want to hold on to Damian Harris long-term or if they think Kevin Harris can be a suitable replacement. So four running backs is all I got. Perfect. All right, let's go to the receivers. This is where we finally start to get a little tricky. Um, and, I'm fired up here. I'm fired. I'm I, one of my guys here. I got a guy here. I got a yeah. guy here. Watch out. I got a guy. I feel like we're having a fantasy draft there for a second. And this is my guy. guy. The auction is just like, everyone's just betting one more dollar, just knowing you're going to claim it and go up and just try to drain your budget here. Fancy. But I'll tell you, I, I only have five spots. And I think the few that we know are going to be on the roster, um, Devontae Parker, Jacoby yep. Myers, mm-hmm. Taekwon Thornton. And mm-hmm. then the conversation gets interesting around Nelson Aguilar and then Kendrick Bourne, who was not available according to Bill Belichick Friday night. Where is Kendrick Bourne now added to some of the great mysteries of New England? Like what happened to Mal? What happened to Malcolm Butler? And uh, where is Tom Brady? And is he filming the Masked Singer? And why the hell didn't they resign him? Now comes WTF happened to Kendrick Bourne? Seriously, I mean Kendrick Bourne. Everyone will tell you is the most electric playmaker, and you know that maybe that's not saying much, but you know that's like saying like, oh, that's the best item on the menu, but the restaurant sucks. Uh, Kendrick Bourne. Flashed a lot last season, high red zone conversion rate, great on third downs. And on the off season, he talked about the offense being a little bit difficult to pick up, but it's going to be fun. It's different. He t- he went on a podcast and talked about wanting to maybe take on a Debo Samuel style role. Next thing I know, he's laboring through camp. He throws fists during the melee against the Panthers in one of the two Foxborough fight clubs last week. And he's plain clothes in game two when he needs to be picking up this offense. I'm, I'm not legitimately concerned yet. 
I am a little disappointed so far. So on my way into the stadium Friday night, I did a radio hit uh, on EI with Mego and yep. Fourier and asked about Kendrick Bourne. And it was, yeah. is this a legitimate concern? I think it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I said, not yet. The people I've talked to say, look, he's not had a great camp. He might be our fourth or fifth best receiver here so far, which people, you know, watching and studying every day could also tell you, but they weren't concerned understanding the body of work. Then mm-hmm. he's not available mm-hmm. Friday night, not play. wasn't even on the sidelines, him and Trent Brown. My understanding about that situation is um, he's perfectly healthy and it was not mm-hmm. related to anything that happened during the week, which as you mentioned, he was tossed for fighting for throwing punches and Belichick yep. uh, MF'd him up and down the field for, you know, not being prepared from an equipment standpoint or health and safety and one, one snap of team period. So Good Lord, I, I don't think it's going to get worse here. I think you could very well have a good week of camp in Vegas mm-hmm. and, and play. Um, he's also not likely to be traded because his contract is so team friendly. It's this year and next both. That would be such a bad move. That would be such a bad move. Like don't, don't bridle this kid. Don't Belichickify him to a point where you take somebody who has the personality that lights up the post game. He makes Belichick smile and laugh on the sideline. As we saw last year in those Zooty recap videos in, in victory in the locker room, you know, Kraft loves him and he's a fan favorite and he's got personality to spare. All you know, his his uh, you know, his off season IGs of the workouts and everything else. Like this is a real character, and He's right a now on the roster, he, it, and, and yes. personality wise, yeah. So look, yeah, honestly, and there's a dearth, there's a dearth of star power on this team. Who the hell else's jersey are you gonna buy besides Mac Jones, red Pat Patriot throwback right now? Like maybe yeah. it's Tyquan Thornton if he pops this season. Otherwise, it's Kendrick Bourne or Matt Judon. Like please do not suppress the personality, the juice and the flair this kid brings. Yeah. And I don't think they're doing that, but at some point you got to perform and that's where this starts, right? Like he's had the fewest catches of any right. pass catch right, right, right. this last episode in two weeks of anyone on the team in yep. team period. So you, you just can't have that. Like if that's anyone else on the roster or most other players, you're getting cut. And we're not having a conversation. You're, you're Josh Hammond right now. Um, but I, I mentioned trade, not because I think that's a possibility. In fact, that again, I, I, it, it won't happen. Um, barring something serious next week. But Nelson Aguilar has come up. Part of me thinks this is kind of a straw man Twitter thing where some have raised that Aguilar should be traded and why not, and you'd free up $5 million, a little bit less in cap space. Aguilar has had, at worst, the third best camp among this group, at worst. Mm -hmm. I think you can make a a good case for him being better than Devontae Parker in camp. He was very good, as you mentioned, uh, with that 45-yard bomb in the preseason game. Mm -hmm. And it's just because... Jacoby Myers is the most consistent person on, on the face of the planet. So I, what I've heard about Aguilar is his attitude is better inside the building compared to last year. His fit inside the system where they streamline the offense, there are fewer reads, suits him better, and they're going to emphasize the deep passing game. He sticks, and that's why I've got five. Parker, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, and Taekwondo Thornton. All right, then this one goes to six. I have a sinister six. I'm with you on the first five. Jacoby Myers... Uh, you know, your slow foot slot receiver who also happens to throw a nice deep ball himself. I can't promise you he's going to be on the roster beyond this season. I hope so because I'm a fan. Parker, yep. Aguilar, uh, I do think Nelson Aguilar is going to have a good season. I'm not rostering him in fantasy, but I do think he's going to contribute more than he did last year and don't hold the contract against him, even though he's one of the Patriot paycheck bros along with John o. Smith. Tyquan Thornton, obviously, uh, 
might be a might be a star in bloom. Uh, we do have to put some weight on that kid because he is fragile, a, as they say in Italiano. Kendrick well, Bourne. Let's stop here real quick, yep. Bourne, just because he gets hurt Friday night, shoulder injury. Belichick says this morning, Saturday, that he doesn't know if he's going to be in Vegas. By the time this podcast comes up, we might know. So I'll keep it at this. Yeah. If the injury is more serious um, than expected or is serious at all, the Patriots can roster him through August 30th. Mm-hmm. And if he goes on IR, he would only have to miss four games. That's a new rule this year, which is important to remember where if you, if you can miss just right. Uh, a lot of these new rules are, why weren't we doing this entirely in the first place? They, remember they make so much sense. Yes. They make so much sense. <laughs> IR week one used to mean like, see you later. And if right. it's eight weeks or 10 weeks, like that's it. But anyway, he would only have to miss four games. Mm-hmm. That would free up a roster spot, spot starting August 31st. He would still have to be kept on the team until that point. But that's a way to maybe resign someone like, you know, a LeBron Ray or Cody Russ here. We'll get to some more names here who were right. pretty much right on the roster bubble when Thornton obviously is not. But who is number six? Is this a little Jordan conversation coming? The little Jordan <laughs> fan club and appreciation society is in session. I, I'll tell you, he made like two weeks in a row, two preseason, two preseason games in a row. He had like six for 83, I think, in the first game. Last night, five catches for 71 yards. Uh, the one that impressed me the most, it didn't score last night in the Panthers preseason game, the hospital ball for 30 yards that he caught over the middle, got down, took the hit, got up, pumped his fist first down, got the crowd fired up. He's a big guy. He's got pro moves. He's experienced in the NFL, but the play where he made the roster was that special teams play where he hauled ass down the sideline. And you know, Belichick was just licking his chops. He was so fired up, probably. He was so fired up when he sees Lil Jordan putting his little hustle on, going down the sideline, leaping into the end zone and swatting a ball back so it could be downed on the two after a Jake Bailey punt. If you can bring special teams value and also maybe be a backup big target, uh, maybe you'll develop a little chemistry with Mac. He's doing everything he can to make the team. And in my world where you're not the most dynamic or explosive team, but you've got guys that have multiple football skills, you make the squad and you play on Sundays. So the reason I kept him off uh, among a few is that the the top five there, unless Aguilar are born unexpectedly get traded They're They're as close as we have to real roster locks at this Mm -hmm. point. So you're looking at a six wide receiver for an offense that we know at least wants to minor in 12 personnel and playing a lot of two tight ends. Mm-hmm. The tight end conversations where I think he might be able to backdoor his way into this, not because he is a tight end. Okay. He might be 6'3, 220, 225, whatever he is, but that's not a tight end body. But if you go back to that Giants preseason opener, the Patriots played 11 personnel, something like 87, 88% of the snaps. Right. The few that they did not, they said, okay, Matt Suckle, you poor bastard, take a breather, get to the <laughs> sideline. And they said, little Jordan Humphrey. Go stand in line where he was and act like a tight end. And and Ross Douglas, uh, receivers coach, I asked this week of just how the heck that happened when we talked to the assistants. And he said that, you know, they have a couple of quick calls to make that happen. That's where I think he could make an impact. Like you said, special teams is going to be a big one and maybe providing some sort of depth there. But he's he's only had one catch in the first half of these two preseason games. And I just don't see a path where he beats out any of the top five guys. And when you look at him physically also, it's a guy who ran a 4.8 at his pro day. That is slower than one McCorkle Jones. So it's it's a little troubling. I, I'm, I'm glad for him. I think this will win him a job, but ultimately I think that job is going to be in Chicago. 
Oh, why would we, who could do that to him? Can't why, you see him now in a Bears uniform? You're gonna say, are you gonna send him? We're we're gonna send him to fill in for Nikhil Harry? Oh God! Yeah, so, isn't he also talk um, about a trip to the Phantom Zone? Jeez, what Nikhil Harry maybe should have been the last exactly, year? Exactly the kind of hustle you see out of somebody with big hands, tall body, good weight. Yeah, we never saw that kind of like special teams hustle. Everyone's pre, you know, everyone's special teams memory of Nikhil Harry and his super memorable three years in Foxborough was taking a punt off the side of his helmet in Buffalo last year. <laughs> God. All right, let's uh, let's turn the page. Tight ends, uh, Hunter Henry, John o. Smith, they're making the roster. Don't need to talk about them. Devin yeah. Asiasi is the third. I don't see there's any reason why Dalton Keene, Matt Sokol, or Jalen Weidermeyer, this will be another Patriots great tweet in two years when he signed somewhere else. And everyone remembers this one week in Patriots history. Why not be on the team? Did you keep Asiasi or see a surprise cut for you? Adios Asiasi. Wow. So, so, so the story goes, he's not, he's just not doing enough to validate a roster spot. He's not going to give me the special teams value. You just laid out how you could see little Jordan Humphrey, maybe squeaking on to spot 53 and being able to work his way in as a sort of a pseudo tight end or play a tight end adjacent spot in some offensive formations. Plus he's made big catches. I mean, if, if Humphrey's got 11 catches in two preseason games, if you add up all the preseason games, plus the regular season games that Asiasi was in, he doesn't have 11 catches total. Like I, I like the book is out. He's just, he's not going to work here. Now I'm not saying he's going to get cut released and turn into Jacob Hollister somewhere else. Maybe he'll have a fine career in Seattle or Chicago, Chicago. or, you know, or, you know, whatever, whatever other, uh, whatever other sort of like pr- prison Island of football that he would get cast off to if he gets released or likely is released from the Patriots. Uh, I've wanted Dalton Keene season to happen. It just hasn't. I might keep him around on the practice squad, but I think Asiasi gets claimed and Matt Sokol. Thanks for the memories. Okay. So we have our, our first split. You have a little Jordan Humphrey over Devin Asiasi. The Asiasi thing came down to me for, again, the 12 personnel. Again, they, they played something like 31% with two tight ends in the field when Mac played against Carolina. And I think it's important to remember the preseason games matter, but the joint practices matter just as much, if not a little bit more. And this isn't to say he was shining out there, but Mm -hmm. he did very well in the team periods and in one-on-ones. And I think also when you think about a third tight end, what does he look like? He looks like Devin Asiasi. Okay. (laughs) Well, no, he could also, but, but in fairness, he could also look like Dwayne Allen. He could also look like, Rod Rutledge. He could look like Matt Langle or Matt Sokol. He could just be a giant warm blocking body. Look at that encyclopedic knowledge. You have Patriots ends from the past who definitely had their fair share of inactives. Same to Wayne Allen, but that was my first year in the beat. That dude was, was basically an extra offensive tackle. Exactly. And on a Patriots team that even featured Tom Brady and had much more dynamic receiving threats than this one does right now. Yeah. Speaking of offensive tackles, um, this is another group where I think we can safely, you know, fill five spots, right? It's, it's all five starters, Trent Brown, mm-hmm. Cole Strange, mm-hmm. David Andrews, Mike mm-hmm. Unwenu, Isaiah Wynn. Uh, How many backups you keeping? I, I have two right now. Whoa. This is Ho- different because holy year, lack of depth Pats, man. Wow. Yeah, here's where they get the Foxborough flu. Um, again, you need to be rostered through cut down day and then hit IR in order to, you know, stay on the team and only have to miss four games. If you go on IR now, like Malcolm Butler and Joan Williams, you're, you're done for the year. What, what my thinking is here is you have those five starters, if we ever see Isaiah win again. Yadni Kajust, who has been playing left and right tackle better than Justin Haran and yep. also been healthier than Justin Haran. 
And then Arlington Hambright. Oh, oh my favorite name on the team. First ballot name because first. he – He's someone who's played right guard with Michael Wenu and rotated with the first team offense in the preseason opener and in practices. He's also more recently been playing left tackle where they need a lot of depth because Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn, uh, spoiler alert, are not playing all 17 games individually or together. So those are my two guys. The thing that you're missing, of course, is a swing interior lineman. You've got a third offensive tackle. Let's call it three and a half. Hambright, I think they cut James Ferentz, who, like Brian Hoyer, has no leverage well, Hoyer now has leverage with the $3 million guarantee that he got. Ferentz wants to stay here. He's not going anywhere. He'll get to choose. He won't get claimed off waivers. He's too old for that. I think they cut him, bring him back in the practice squad, and he knows he gets bumped up. Cody Russi was the hard cut here for me, and I think he or Chase and Hines, six-round pick at LSU, might get the Foxborough flu. We just have to wait and see. All right, so as much as I want him on the team because – it's like the new Adrian Waddle, like a great all time. How in the hell is that actually somebody's name? But God bless it is he's somebody's son. And uh, he's also a football player on my favorite team. I, I, when I first heard Arlington Hambright, I'll be honest, I'm not trying to trying to work the room here. I was like, oh, is that like one of those teams that was recently relegated in like the EPL or something like that? <laughs> or is that like where? Arlington Hambright plays for the Patriots yet. The guy's actually been pretty dependable on a line. That's been less dependable than we've wanted it to be. That's gone through a series of uh, changes, shuffles and injuries so far. Uh, Your starting five is super dependable and it's locked in. I was one who was holding out for Stuber to actually maybe be somebody who could step in, surprise us. Like he was one of the higher rated tackles in football in college football in recent years. He's, I don't think we've seen high or low of him. Practice squad candidate USA for him. My backups are sadly, and it's not just because he's the son of one of Belichick's besties and also one of the innovators of the, uh, the wide zone running attack. Uh, I see James Ferentz, Yadni Kajust, and I got Russie over Hambright. Yeah. R- Russie was, um, he was one of my last four cuts, the tough four decisions I made at the top. I, I think it's interesting that Justin Haran has fallen so far based on his oh, horrible couple of practices last whoa. week. He's injured, but he's also coming into camp was clearly your top swing tackle because Yadni could just had only really played left tackle in mm-hmm. college. And then the few times we had seen him in games. Now he's played a little bit of right tackle as well, but now they're bumping Mike on one way. And that's, that's the problem with projecting the offensive line. It's not who are the best linemen, which would be a very easy guide to this. Because if it's a negligible difference between a Haran or Kajus, then you're looking at the overlap of depth where is Mike Unwenu just our right guard or is he our right guard and our primary backup right tackle? Isaiah Wynn, not going to get cut. But he's, based on what we've seen, your backup, your plan B at left tackle if and whenever Trent Brown goes down. So then who can play right tackle? Like Those are all the questions that are kind of inseparably intertwined when you're building on offensive line, which is not a whole lot of fun on the podcast, but I think the names we have are the ones to focus on in the back. It's Ference, mm-hmm. it's Russie, yep. the guy, the the Arlington Hambrights. How about that? They're in the, <laughs> the, the Arlington. Ha- I will make that jersey for you. I yeah. will absolutely make us those jerseys. Arlington. I, I mean, the Hambrights would, of Arlington. The yeah. Hambrights of Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and if you think like as I was saying earlier in the pod, like. You know, what jersey are you buying at the pro shop? It's Mac Jones. It's the red throwback. Maybe some Judons. The Bourne sales have got to be dragging, and it's not Taekwon Thornton jersey season yet. How do you either resist, A, a strange 69 or especially a, a Hambright? That's a loaded question. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> uh, but it's, 
Yeah, it's a good one. I, I if you sold ten Arlington Hambright's jerseys, congrats! You've sold ten more than I think any have been sold anywhere <laughs> outside of his family. So that's a win for the pro shop. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and line. I know you got a lot of different options out there, but stick with BetOnline.ag. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball. NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf with the futures. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. So head on to Bet Online today or use your phone or iPad or whatever you have just to join today and make your first bet with the promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50%, 50 whole percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Uh, before we get to defense, let's do the specials really quickly. We don't have to talk about yep. any of them. Your guy, Nick Folk, he's going to be the kicker. Jake Bailey, he'll be the mm-hmm. punter. Joe, Condola, Joe, Joe Cardona, still yep. long snapping uh, for as long as he wants. Matthew Slater's making this team. Cody Davis, Justin Bethel. Um, Brendan Schooler, I have making the team. Ooh, okay. So I actually, because I have little Jordan Humphrey making it, and he's probably going to be more involved in special teams with the occasional backup wide receiver slash you know, quasi TE usage. I went down, um, Justin Bethel and, uh, Cody Davis. Thanks so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Yeah. Because I, because I got other cornerbacks that I'm keeping to replace the Justin Bethels as well. So I only kept four. I have big kick, Nick. I have the, sadly, I think the most wasted roster spot on the new England Patriots and Joe Cardona. I've got, uh, the right-legged man weapon, Jake Bailey, and I have Matthew Slater. Oh, and I, and excuse me, I have five. Actually, I had him in the safety category. I'll move him on down to special teams. Schooler is making the team because of his potential secondary versatility and the odds that he could be the heir apparent to Matthew Slater, who is likely on his victory lap contract in final season with the Patriots. Tall, fast, strong, knows for the ball on special teams, has that go for it gunner attitude. The devil may care. He'll just put it all on the line. It's exactly the kind of guy you could see being a core special teams leader in the future on the team. And I don't want to see him also get released by the Patriots and then picked up by, you know, maybe not Buffalo, but like by the Jets or Kansas City or Tennessee. Maybe Vrabel here is like, oh, this kid's a, you know, a hashtag football guy. And next thing you know, you're like, well, they're one of our special teams captain of the future is someone we're going to have to play every other year. I think what you're describing is a decision that people in my position and, and now yours, I mean, building out these roster projections right. would just love Belichick to pivot to or people at home because you it's hard for any of us to explain without really watching the all 22, how good Cody Davis is at his job or what yeah. Justin Bethel is doing as a gunner on this. But what I can tell you just watching the preseason game live is that Justin Bethel and Cody Davis started on all three of the starting units, punt team, punt return and kickoff against the Panthers last night. And they're not going anywhere. I mean, if they could, as you're suggesting, but probably so. They, they also probably would have been on kick return if it was not comprised entirely of backups. Like Matthew Slater didn't even play on kick return. Brennan Schooler did, though, um, and according to my notes, also played on the punt team and kickoff. So that's three out of four for Schooler, Davis, and Bethel. But again, most teams are not rostering that many pure special teamers. I mean, how many and times? And that's like we're going to have to games? cut bait with that. We can't yeah. like how many pure special teamers on a team where you need to fi- try to find a spark or where you need – 
yeah, great to have special teams depth. And I understand Belichick is in all three phases and not just a defensive oriented mind in football. I heard you say that on EEI yesterday. Could not have agreed more. Hell, he's probably going to be calling half of the plays this season as well. But there has to come a time where you cut bait with the notion that you're going to field almost a roster that's one quarter special teamers because you need someone else to show up and show out, especially on offense where there's a bit of, I'll even almost say a dearth of playmakers or at least that we've seen so far. So for me, I have to part ways with guys that have great special teams value and dependability in favor of some upside in other spots. All right. Well, I will owe you a six pack of your choice if that happens. Not, not, not a problem. I don't even want anything in return. I just, I just want to <laughs> honor your, your guts with this uh, bold prediction here. Let's do defense. Um, people have been waiting as we go through offensive line and special teamers. Um, I did pure D line. Like you Same. can include the edge guys in this conversation, which right now, uh, you know, Henry Anderson and, and Dietrich Weiser considered defensive linemen, but the way they kind of stand up a little bit, I'll just throw them in the conversation to make this simple. Right on. Okay, so I have six. Dietrich Wise, Henry Anderson. Inside is Lawrence Guy, Devon Godchow, Christian Barmore, Carl Davis. So from this group, mm. I include outside linebackers. I sent packing Sam Roberts of preseason fame. Oh, that and hurts. That, that's the only name. For Your me words hurt. Jeremiah Farms Jr., much to Mego's dismay the other day when I did a hit, and she, she picked him in some undrafted rookie pool, which can you tell it's sports radio in early August when you're having <laughs> an undrafted rookie draft in pool? But that's that's where we are. So right. I, I didn't have much uh, problem making the cuts and decisions I did with this one. Sam Roberts was one that Andy Hart told me was maybe – like on day one of practice or maybe even back during like OTAs or mandatory veteran minicamp, whatever the hell it was. There was some point during the spring where he said, wow, Sam Roberts has like football thickness and shows up and looks like a powerful football player. And I think we've actually seen him show up and make some plays and get noticed. Now, granted, he didn't cause the fumble that brought the game to its 20 to 10 finale against the Panthers, but he recovered it had a knack for the, found the ball, got down on it, got the six for it. He's, he's a big, strong guy. I don't know if he necessarily would get claimed and then, you know, rise to prominence on the Ravens or the Steelers and be a regrettable somebody that the Patriots should have kept. I've liked him from day one. Uh, That was an interesting pick in the sixth round out of like, I want to say South Dakota state, something to go South Carolina state. I I don't know. Ask you if you can name the college because it's so much uh, more obscure than that. Northwest Missouri state. That's not a place. I refuse to believe Northwest Missouri state is a place. I mean, that's a key and peel sketch location. That's not an actual university point being though. I think, I think you keep him Carl Davis. We know what he is. That's, you know, it's, he's an old pickup truck. Like you put him right there in the middle, you know, it'll go to and fro and haul junk out of the yard. But I like the upside with Roberts. And again, it's because, I think this is such a transitional year. Mego was making the point the other day on the radio that she's starting to buy in on the idea that the 2022 Patriots are the 2021 Chargers. Yeah, they're going to compete. Yeah, they're going to try to get a playoff spot, but there's so much evaluation and development going on along with the development of a second year quarterback. And then there's going to be a lot more money the next year. The Chargers spent big time. They made a lot of moves for Khalil Mack. They get JC Jackson. And now the Patriots will have so much more money next year. And you hope some of these draft picks pan out that I can see it playing out like that. Do you want to take the chance 
of letting some of these guys that you think can contribute to the football team for a couple of years go. So you can go with an old steady Freddie wide body, like a Kyle Davis. Yeah. Carl Davis, I think is just the only other guy in the roster you could point to and say, he's our backup nose tackle. Like Lawrence guy for the role that he served here for a long time. Now mm-hmm. he's going to be 32. He's a little bit light, even at 310 pounds for your traditional nose tackle. That's why Devon Gotchow's here and right. Gotchow they love. So at least for 10 to 12 snaps a game, Carl Davis can rotate in and relieve Devon Gotchow of those duties and early downs. Or when you need goal line, you need a dude who's just 330 and can kind of hold up and do his own. Like he he would get signed somewhere else. He's a little bit of a, you know, guys in personnel departments call a jag. He's just a guy. But I right. think he's a guy that his body type suits you in a way that like Sam Roberts just isn't going to do. Whereas you could have guys, Dietrich, you know, now we're getting into the edge because I, I know Roberts is inside, but they see him as a movable piece. He can play right. sometimes at three technique, maybe the four, uh, four eye and kick out to five. But the, the one name I didn't mention here, because again, we're kind of blurring the lines and then let's do the outside guys and just finish everyone on the line of scrimmage interior and on the edge. Right on. Uh, LeBron Ray was my mm. last guy. Alabama former five-star recruit comes in. It's never a good thing when you're a college prospect. And the top thing that we mentioned is how many stars you had in high school. But when you do that and go to Alabama, clearly there's some talent there. He has flashed that talent in one-on-one pass rush. He's done it in preseason games and he's done it occasionally in team periods when he's getting very, very few snaps. I just, he he was my 54th guy on the roster. I think you could have time to develop, but if they really want to win, you can't wait on a guy like that to rotate in when you've got Uche, Anthony Jennings, Matt Junon ahead of him. And those are my last four edge guys. So my everyone on the line scrimmage, and then I'll let you take this. I've got up front Dietrich Twice, Matt Judon, Lawrence mm-hmm. Guy, Devon Gottschow, Christian mm-hmm. Barmore, that's five, uh, Josh Uche. Anthony Jennings and Carl Davis is my nine. Gotcha. Hey, you know, to me, LeBron Ray could be the new Byron Cowart, like former five-star recruit. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you were really supposed to be something special, but there's maybe a reason why you fell to the back end of the draft. There's a greater chance that he'll pop because of the Alabama pedigree. And Hey, we're even seeing Anthony Jennings finally put it together and get noticed for positive contributions in his third year with the Patriots. I think he makes the team as well because the Patriots need to find some sort of formula or combination of players to generate pressure on the other side of Matt Judon. So I'll take uh, for my edge guys, I got Judon. uh, You got Ronnie Perkins still in the equation as well. Mm. Wise, wise Roberts. Uh, and Anthony Jennings. And as far as the linebackers go, um, I got Juwan Bentley, Raquan McMillan, who they love, Josh Uche, uh, Mac Wilson Sr. Uh, I don't know why I feel the need to always say senior, but it's on the back of his jersey. And uh, he plays like he plays like a senior in high school because he's kind of always around the ball. Good tackler, got the kind of speed that they're going to need to contain some of the people that cut them up over the middle last year. And McGrone's going to make the team. But could you Ooh. please, could you please, Ooh. he's, he's going to make the team, but There's what the a, hell has he done? I got a yellow light up here for you, but whoa, he and Ronnie Perkins are on the outside looking in for me. Oh, I, I hope that mic is hot. <laughs> headphones. Ooh. So this was what I talked about at the top. There are a couple recent wow. third round picks who make the roster automatically as a rookie, generally get a second chance in their second years. But Ronnie Perkins, I just he's he's flashed a couple times in these preseason games. But let's remember the Giants and the Panthers, without question, no matter who you ask, people inside the league, people who watch casually, people who watch intensely, right, have some of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Ronnie Perkins winning a couple of reps against those guys, enjoying practices with Carolina or in their preseason game, or against the Giants, 
doesn't mean a whole lot. For a guy like him, who got a redshirt year and stuck around, you need consistency, some sort of development. Anthony Jennings has consistently been ahead of him. Josh Uche, same deal. Matt Judon, at the, up, at the opposite edge, has been Henry Anderson and Dietrich Wise. They're playing kind of with one outside linebacker, one defensive end. Ronnie Perkins, meanwhile, with Cameron McGrone, has consistently been repping with the, the third string, third string defense. And as much as we were all talking Cameron McGrone, because the Patriots coaching staff, like the, the, the hype train is now emptied out. It is gathering dust. There are tumbleweeds going by. I- and people just leave it there like an old there's building. Pe- there's people squatting in it right now. You got, you know, you got folks yeah. living inside of there. There's campfires lit around the side of it. Like yeah, as far, it's, as far as I it's can sad. tell, that's it. Over curtains. And I'm not saying this wow. to someone who wants to root against these guys. I just, when I have to make cuts, as the Patriots are going to fake make these decisions, at some point you have to get down to 53. And th- there are, there's no more room. That's it. There's 53 spots. If you want to tell Oof. me, as I think you have, Again, Justin Bethel and Cody Davis to me are they're close locks. If you take them off, maybe those are two spots for Ronnie Perkins and Cameron McGrone to make the team. Got to make got to make team somehow. Yeah, I haven't seen any sort of play from either of them, practice or really in the preseason, in a large enough sample to say there's promise here long term, or you're going to have an immediate payoff that warrants a roster spot because they've got better older players ahead of them. Honest to God, the 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 bring out your dead cart of recent second and third round draft picks of bill like second through fourth round draft picks of bill Belichick from the Aussie to the Keens to maybe the McGrones and the Perkins. Like I know it's a crapshoot, and you hope that, you know, 50 to 60% of every year's draft become positive contributors to your football team, but Holy smokes, man, like this is a lot of burnt equity we're talking about here. And I know you just got to go with the best 53 and do what's in the best interest of the football team, but that's, that's it. That's borderline infuriating. Yeah. Look, you have every reason to be mad. I, their draft record. And I've talked about this. I've written about it. I've done, you know, podcasts and TVs about this from 16 to 2020 is among the worst in the NFL. I think the rebounding parts of 2020 have been good. Mm-hmm. Obviously Kyle Duggar. Um, but I, I don't know how at this point, and it's still very, very early in their careers. Let's make that clear. Mm-hmm. No one is rooting against them. McGrone was hurt for most of last year that you can chalk either of them up as a win. And McGraw was only a fifth round pick. So that's not even a huge loss, right? Like the odds of hitting on a fifth round pick, whatever the, the threshold is there for a hit versus a miss is, is the odds of that are very low. Um, right. I had them out and it, you hit on the linebackers. <laughs> Let's Bentley and McMillan. Those are starting inside linebackers week one. Mac Wilson's look awesome in preseason. Mm-hmm. Jelani Tavai was my fourth guy. And so I cut McGrown and I cut Harvey Lange, who was one of my 56th or 57th guy. Because and I'm a big fan of his too. Cause he's a good, yeah. he's a gutsy gamer guy. Like he'll literally, you can go snap the ball, go play receiver, go play whatever I need you to do. Harvey Longy will do it for you. But he will not play more than one special teams unit. As far as the starting groups go mm. on Friday night, because the only team I saw him on was punt return among the starters. And mm. that's where I think, they love Tavai because Tavai is also a big Matt Patricia guy getting drafted in uh, Detroit in the second mm-hmm. round out of Hawaii. He's someone who's played well on the edge. So as we know, they like to bounce their inside linebackers and put them on the edge. Uh, Hightower, Van Noy, the list goes on. And mm-hmm. I think he can do that. And so Tavai is playing some special teams. He played, according to my notes here, looks like just as many starting units as Harvey Longy did. And he's got more upside. So he was a guy who made the practice squad last year. But between Patricia and his Second year here, I think it's going to be Bentley, McMillan, Mac Wilson, and Tobias. Unbelievable. If Ronnie Perkins and McGrone don't make this team and they get added to the Jake Baquette, 
Jermaine Cunningham, <laughs> Sean Crable, Hall of Infamy. At Memorial. The oh, like oh, really, man. truly just uh, brutal during that time. But like, yeah, that uh, that would be a massive disappointment for people that thought we had, you know, that Uche and Perkins and company were all going to be Judons or Ngakwe's in waiting. Ain't, ain't been the case. And, and look, I want to stress this because we still have 10 more days until cut down day. Injuries are going to happen in New England and across the league. Players are going to play much better than we saw last Friday night in this past week of joint practices. If Ronnie Perkins and or Cameron Bergeron go out and show out in Vegas, this is a really tough conversation. All I'm saying is that here on August 20th, as far as those two players go, as they continue to rep with the third stringers and other players kind of bounce back between second and third or first and second, I don't have a whole lot of evidence to point to to say they should make the team beyond their draft status, and the fact that Cameron McGrone is really not going to fair shot because of the ACL. But that was more than a year and a half ago. So it, it, it's just hard to, to count on that. And again, the, it's tough decisions. This is the NFL. That's um, what we do. Speaking of tough decisions, corner is really interesting. I have six. I'll run down again the locks as mm-hmm. I see it and then open it up to you. Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones. Same, 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 for sure. Okay. Yeah, I, added- I think Jones, Jones, and Jones could be a shockingly promising group of players. Can they just not all play the same position? That's the only I- thing I'm asking. Like, I can't tweet M. Jones. I what can't a nightmare Jones. for the beat guys! Oh my god! <laughs> Can we get a say in this macro? I need, I need just one word. Can we identify, you know, Marcus Jones, Nickelback? Like, get a new spot on the depth chart and just have it, have him there. So I can say or- NB. Can we go like early XFL style and allow them to go with nicknames? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. can they, can they be a you know uh, Pat? You know, just like the in the in the vein of a he hate me or something like that. Like, just something to differentiate. Because I mean, would they allow like J. Period Jones, M. Jones? You can't even do that because yeah. you have John Jones and Jack Jones. That's, oh my God, you're so screwed. That's my point. Now, this yeah. is all, of course, not serious. I do not want any mentions saying like local reporter bitching about names and this is so silly, blah, 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 blah. We are playing around. But I think the conversation about corner gets interesting after those four names, the three Joneses and Jalen mm-hmm. Mills, who has been awesome in training yep. camp. Shockingly underscore, good. Shockingly good. Underscore bold, size 32, whatever. Awesome. Terrence Mitchell and Miles Bryant are my last two corners because I think Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones, much of John Jones has played the outside, are still better at nickel. Miles Bryant is going to play nickel. That's a lot of depth there. Okay. If Jonathan Jones doesn't work out, you need someone to play on the perimeter where Terrence Mitchell has been fine. He's a journeyman. Journeymen are fine, but he's someone you can rely on. And Miles Bryant, they also have playing at safety. And he's he's been starting at nickel in the two minute and in the preseason game. So that's a guy I think has a leg up on Marcus Jones, who's obviously making the team as a third round pick. Same with Jack Jones, the fourth round guy. I have Miles Bryant making the team because he's looked good in the return game, has special teams value, has made some good plays. I'm not going to hold what happened in Buffalo and in Foxborough against Buffalo against him now because those were tough assignments and everything was falling apart in last year's end of season house of cards. So Miles Bryant makes the team for the versatility and value he presents. And I had to make a tough call here between the perfectly fine uh, turkey club, no mayo, no mustard, that is Terrence Mitchell at cornerback because you need a veteran guy that you can kind of depend on and you know is probably not going to screw up. He's not going to make too many spectacular plays, but he can hold up. And there's, you know, there has to be some sort of Tyrone Poole, Earthwind Moreland type of like, who is that guy? Ah, he's been around for a while. Okay, he's good enough. He's no Otis Smith, but he'll get the job done. 
I see the upside in Sean Wade, and I know he almost played himself off the team against the Panthers by running into Marcus Jones on special teams, but that interception was pretty sweet. And he's only a second-year guy. He's better in the slot than he was in the outside, just like he was in Ohio State as well. But again, I'm going upside and potential versus you know steadiness, at, you know unsexy, unsexy sureness this season. So. <laughs> I'm now, I'm now thinking about that as a life philosophy, you know, the, the unsexy sureness versus just right. the kind of risk reward of a one Sean Wade and how you've well, chosen Sean Wade to exemplify the risk in Terrence Mitchell's I, the definition of unsexy. Well, what if somebody gives you like, what if somebody gives you like, it's like wearing like, you know, khakis and a white shirt. It's like, it's never going to get you kicked out of any business meeting, a beach club, wherever you may wear it. You're probably good in church, but it's like, it's fine, but maybe yeah. there's a shirt in your closet and you've looked at it and you're like, I don't know. I kind of like this shirt. I think it looks good on me. And when you wear it out, there's a chance someone's going to go like, well, I don't know if I could pull that shirt off, but it looks good on you. Or someone might come up to you and be like, dude, listen, here's 20 bucks. Go in the next store that sells t- like clothes for men and get something different because that shirt has got to go. I'm, go- I'm taking the risk. I'm taking the fashion risk on the, the fancy shirt with flair that is Sean Wade. I, uh, I freaking love that. That also reminds me, Steve Burton had this just bright pink polo on and oh. absolutely crushed it last night doing TV. <laughs> you could have seen him from space. He's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like what, what is going on down there? Why is there giant cotton candy just walking around, blowing around the field at Gillette Stadium? Um, but I looked at that and I have a, a oh. pink button down, not that anyone cares. And I just, I, I, I picked my spots. I'm not wearing that to church and the grocery store and uh out to a club or a bar or whatever but i i like it now when i look at steve burton i like it a lot more than him um now mm-hmm. bring, bring this back to sean wade a human being who's just trying to make it in the league he um he was my 55th player outside looking at right after yeah. LeBron ray and it's he's around a lot of um passes as we saw against panthers we've seen it in training camp i just they're going to need him to play consistently on the outside and maybe this is putting too much stock into his final college tape, but that was just 2020 and it was bad. And Baltimore who drafted him in the fifth round of Ohio state was happy to ship him out largely because it couldn't work outside. There is a log jam at nickel. And I just don't think he's going to be able to get snaps in there between John Jones, Marcus Jones, and Miles Bryant. So right. playing on the outside, he's been better this summer than I expected. He will stick somewhere if he's released, but I just, I couldn't pull the trigger. If he makes the roster, I'm not going to be shocked because if the difference is negligible between a Terrence Mitchell, the white shirt and the khakis and this Mm -hmm. bright pink Sean Wade, you're right. Probably go with the upside because at the end of the season, maybe he's even better than Terrence Mitchell is right now. And by default, I think he's the tallest corner on the Patriots and you need somebody over six feet tall to play corner. Otherwise, like the fact that like Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, Jalen Mills are all like five, 10 and under. Not that I'm going to be a heightist or like I'm going to, or that I'm vertically shaming the Patriots or their secondary, but eventually you need kind of a big guy and maybe they can, maybe they can, you know, work with them uh, over time. Maybe, you know, there'll be a way that they could find, they could shift him to the outside on occasion where there's teams where he won't get embarrassed or burnt because they don't have elite wide receivers on the outside, like a a Baltimore versus like, uh, you know, Miami, where he could just yeah, get absolutely scorched and left, you know, have a burnt shadow on the sideline. Different, different sports. I mean, correct, where, those guys, correct. where those teams are with their corner depth and they play a different style than the Patriots yep. probably play. We saw a lot of man coverage last night, but I, I just can't look at this roster and say they're anything other than they'll at least be in the top half 
of teams that play zone this year. I could be wrong. For sure. I don't know. For sure. But, but they're not going to be in the bottom five. I just like this. I like the speed that I've seen on defense. Uh, yeah. There's a good, there's a nice edge to the defensive line. I think they're a little bit nasty, which is good. And they're starting to buy into the fact that they're an underrated group of uh, bad boys and there's speed in the corners. And look, you may get burned every now and again, deep because somebody, you know, bites on a double move or makes the wrong read. But in terms of getting, you know, the death by a thousand paper cut offenses with Miami and Buffalo, where time and again, somebody was open and then got an additional eight yards because nobody could catch up to said back or said slot receiver or said third tight end. Now you actually have speed from the Mac Wilson's and the Raquan McMillan's all the way to Jones, 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 and Jones that you might actually be able to like <laughs> not die Lord that death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, Make, yeah. <laughs> um, how many and to wrap it how many safeties you got well really quickly because you mentioned the speed mac wilson we've seen yeah. that has been a, just a, a one-man sea change at the second level yeah but i want to get yes. to, yes. to, to juan belly because he gets to be a punching bag a whole lot and belichick had high praise for him pregame this was not lip service he was asked generally about the linebackers he said it starts with him it's the leadership it's the play the dude had six tackles and three drives again against panthers backups backups for the carolina panthers but right. That's two tackles per series. That happens over a game. You're talking about 20 tackle pace, including a tackle for loss where he read a screen, tossed an offensive lineman aside like it was something he picked up off the ground and dropped into the trash can and then made a tackle on the backfield. Like Bentley's instincts and what he does, he is near elite. It's just you need to find a way to get him doing that in situations where he can do that as much as possible and minimize his weaknesses, which are obviously in coverage. But he's he's excellent at tracking plays down, stuffing the run and getting there on the spot to make up for what is obviously a lack of long speed. Surround him with the speed that will make up for his, his lack of physical gifts because his football instincts and gridiron acumen have continued to grow to a point where Belichick can trust him so much so that he might even be a green dot guy for the defense this year. Definitely. And Mac Wilson was uh, when he came in in the second half, but okay. Safeties. Uh, another group. I, I just, I love this group. Like it's just got everything. You've got Devin in, in the old head in playing single high with a bunch of speed. Phillips and Duggar are going to play in the box. Jabril Peppers is finally back from his ACL. He's flying around <clears throat> occasionally <clears throat> throwing punches. And Joshua Bledsoe gave me five safeties. This is a guy who's played a little bit in the slot, cooled immensely from the first two days of training camp where he was the best player on the field with five pass yep. breakups. But he's a second year guy who, unlike McGrone, again, Bledsoe missed last year too. What has he done now is not a fifth round pick, but a sixth round pick with that opportunity. He's rotating regularly with the starters. And you saw this when he was the next safety. And when Devin McCourty took his break after three series, it was Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, and Joshua Bledsoe. He's making the team. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been a Joshua Bledsoe stand from day one. And I, I think the fact that he can play corner in a pinch that he's, got a ball hawk instinct about him. He's a fundamentally solid tackler. He's never going to be out of position. Like there, there may be people that'll be stronger. He could get blocked out in some plays. Yes, there are people that are going to run straight by him or that are going to put moves on him that are going to leave him spinning around like a top or a dreidel. But in terms of just like grit, gut, and that gridiron gumption that you need, like Joshua Bledsoe brings all of it. And just like Miles Bryant, who can play safety, can play slot corner or nickel corner pinch and also has some return value, wouldn't surprise me at all if Joshua Bledsoe gets some safety reps, if in a pinch has to play corner. And also, again, another one of these guys 
who may force you to move on from somebody like a Bethel or Cody Davis, who I know you would love to take out to dinner and go for long walks along the Newport mansions coastline with, (laughs) But, but like I, I can see these guys. Here's someone else. Second year player could be part of your future as you're building this third iteration of Bill Belichick, Foxborough football, who can do a lot of things for you on one side of the ball. And of course, on that third and most important special teams unit. And to your point, he played on the starting kick return and punt return unit against Carolina. And that's second preseason game, but he has been repping regularly um, with those groups. We didn't see him on the punt team. As far as I could tell, uh, I have one. You ever just write things down, look at your handwriting, going, "What is wrong with me? I can't, I can't read this. This isn't a sentence. These are just- and I wasn't, and I wasn't even inebriated when I yeah. wrote this. What's wrong with these? Are just do I need to digits. get? Che- do I need to get checked for a palsy or something? What the yeah. hell's going on? Like, I, honest to goodness, like but- my handwriting is has always been awful. Like from day one, it's borderline cuneiform. It's absolutely, it's like Sanskrit. It's so bad. You would have and- made an excellent ancient egyptian so just just saying your head on that <laughs> that's probably uh for the, also for the fact that i uh can strike poses like a bird uh, and have a giant <laughs> chin like 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 some sort of like emperor um or uh, definitely will be mummified one day but uh yeah i have no idea and then i'm always like i can never just stop and inhabit my thought of the moment as yeah. opposed to like quickly like oh this thought is in my hand now quick let me just discard it as quickly as possible and move on to something else it's impossible i need like I've needed a professional assistant from day one just to help me keep track of everything, including my terrible jokes and all of my horrific, horrific handwriting as well. Can never read any of it. Uh, just to backtrack, I understand the ancient Egyptians did not write in Sanskrit. Um, hieroglyphics was a joke there. For the hieroglyphics, people. right? Who loved Thank you. Nitpick? Um, my bad. Yeah, yeah, they, no, 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 they no, do. No, they do love to nitpick, that's don't on they? Me. Yeah. I loved it. You're definitely going to be mummified one day. If there's one takeaway from this podcast, August 20th, when we have another week of preseason, joint practices, right. and cut down day, I, I know you were not going to be cremated, buried, just definitely mummified. Um, It'll either be a mummification or a Viking ship to Valhalla, chock full of game day IPAs. That that I love. Well done. All right. Well, let me be your assistant now. Keep you organized. We have uh, two mailbag questions. One of which I told you before we even started recording, I am very excited to see your reaction to because uh, it's Mac related. And you are, as I am the conductor of the Reminder Stevenson hype train as we continue to chug along here, despite Ty Montgomery closing very quickly on the tracks. Um, You are leading Mac Jones's. So question from, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, Fuad, F-U, at F-U-A-D on Twitter. Any concerns on the trajectory of Mac's development? And if he may not be, our franchise quarterback for the future years. Fitzy, what say you? Three words, Fouad, delete your account. (laughs) No, no. I mean, if anything, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'll give, he's a second year quarterback. And the problem is we're like, we're not even judging him against the standard and curve of Tom Brady's greatness, ascension and development. What we're looking at right now is Mac Jones, and the whole, but he's so smart. And, you know, I was told he was like, you know, a, a wizard. He's like a supercomputer back there. Like he, he's teaching the offense to Patricia and judge. Uh, how come he doesn't look better? How come the office isn't firing on all cylinders? Cause it's a work in progress. You know, Callahan, I've been thinking about what this whole Patriot season is. And I look at it like this. It's kind of like, and it's funny. I mentioned a Fox TV show. Cause that's very well where Tom Brady could be right now during his unexplained two week absence from uh, the Tampa Bay Gronkineers, or now formerly Gronkineers, back to the Suckineers, is that this is a this is a Fox cooking show, and Bill Belichick is Gordon Ramsay, and then he's got a bunch of other chefs 
in the kitchen and he's trying to figure out who he can put on the staff of this restaurant. And in the interim, he's yelling at people. He's cussing them out for their, uh, you know, for their food prep, for their mise en place, for how, t- you know, tidy their station is and all your other sort of like culinary and kitchen uh, metaphors and allegories, if you will, um, analogies rather, excuse me. So uh, at this point, like, you know, Mac Jones is a bright young chef that like Bill Belichick as the Gordon Ramsay of this Fox cooking show believes in, but he's asked him to go from like being a classically trained French chef to become like an Asian fusion chef. It's going to take a little time. His culinary ability will shine through. He knows he's, he's great with the knife. He's got amazing knife work. And he's got a, a mind made for next level culinary success. Just give him time. So the folks uh, who watch this on YouTube just got to see me as an ambulance goes by, presumably for Fuad's feelings, the way that you <laughs> answered that. Um, <laughs> uh, lean back in my chair, not my hands together behind my head and just lean back and enjoy it because that answer exceeded any expectations that I had for your reaction, uh, which were very high to begin with. So thank you. Uh, as my for pleasure. Me, Concerns in the trajectory of Mac's development. Honestly, as, as much new information and concerns and worries and talk and things that I've you know listened or talked to people about when it goes to the coaching staff, we haven't moved a whole lot from Matt Patricia and Joe Judge is still probably not a good idea, but they're working their way through it. And mm-hmm. Mac's comments, at least publicly in the last week or two, and sure, he could absolutely be just lying his ass off. That, that Patriots generally, when it comes to saying the right things, to the media and getting the same message out. I have no problem doing that. But he seems to be much happier with the arrangement in the offense and as they go. And I think they're taking a lot of his feedback, which for, again, who you said, wicked smart, understands the offense was good at the old one when virtually no rookie was, is a really good sign. So bottom line, no, I'm not concerned. Would I be surprised if statistically he has the same output, something like 22 touchdowns and 13 picks this year in a new offense with offensive coaches who are also learning? No. But long-term, no, I think he's a guy who's definitely an above-average quarterback and you can win with. So that's that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Last one. This is a great one. This is a perfect uh, question to wrap up roster projection pod. This is from John on Twitter. Rank in order of likelihood these players to make the 53-man roster. Oh. Little Jordan Humphrey. Mm -hmm. Sean Wade. LeBron Ray. Ronnie Perkins. Uh, that's the order in which they'll make the roster. Literally, that's the perfect, that's the perfect pecking and running order for that list right there. I still, I still think Will Jordan Humphrey, like I said earlier, the special teams value, the play that even the NFL tweeted out last night, the leaping into the end zone to knock the ball back two yards, uh, big body pro experience. I want LeBron Ray to work out. Uh, I gave Sean Wade a roster spot. And uh, you've told me that Perkins kitchen is closed. Like uh, it's not going to work out. Um, That's a damn shit. It's a damn shame, but. I I don't know. Maybe I came off as too harsh. I just, you can only go off of what you see and he's, he's been healthy and he has the higher draft pick status going on. But I, if you've watched the last couple of games and come away thinking he'll make the team based on when he played and who he played with and what he did. Great. I just, I just don't see it. Um, Yeah. My list is, and I said LeBron Ray was the 54th guy on the roster, Sean Wade, 55. 1A, 1B, I don't know. Like, th- those two are at the top, tied for first, LeBron Ray and Sean Wade for me, then Lil Jordan Humphrey, yep. and then Ronnie Perkins. So that's where we're at, man. 
Yeah, it, th these are the tough decisions that guys like you and I get paid definitely not to make, but they're fun to bat around in the virtual bar room. And hey, whoever gets the most correct come August 31st, the other one obviously is going to be the recipient of a tall, frosty, cold, well-hopped beverage. Excellent. Yeah, you send me yours and I'll uh, be able to track these. I feel like we should almost have a spread, though, because again, Cody Davis <laughs> and Justin Bethel both leaving the building on August 30th. Hat in hand. I don't, I don't see happening. So I'll give you, I'll give you one and a half. On Fortune, this. You, you're going to give you're going to give me a one. And, oh, you know, you, why don't you give me, give no. me a half, give me a half. I'll just take a half. Okay. okay. Um, but also fortune favors the bold. You're, you're absolutely right. Because also, like I said, things are going to happen in the next 10 days. And at the end of those 10 days is Bill Belichick, who let's just say is not the most predictable person on the face of the planet. Last yeah. year, they had one quarterback on the roster, which obviously didn't make <laughs> a whole lot of sense, but none of us expected that. And it worked out anyway, because Brian Hoyer, as we know, wasn't going anywhere and came up from the practice squad. Right on. That's it. All right. I have you All right, dude. plus half. Um, thanks for coming on, man. This was awesome. I have enjoyed both appearances. This is one of the most fun podcasts in town. You know what a fan I am of uh, your written work and as well as your radio hits, the podcast and more. So keep it up. Holler at me anytime. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants to either clap at me for bad takes, uh, absurd jokes, uh, Gordon Ramsay analogies or the picks here, you can follow me at Fitzy GFY. And of course, uh, all the radio shows, uh, the stuff for WEI.com and uh Coming soon to a radio near you, the Patriots postgame show following each and every Patriots game this fall. He's everywhere, kid. I think you're going to hear from uh, Fuad, who's probably <laughs> now very, very mad that I mispronounced his name. But uh, this is awesome. All right, go get drunk. All right, buddy. Have a great one. Go Pats.